All right, good morning. How are we doing? Good, awesome. Good to see everyone. Um, I want to uh, send you greetings from my family. Tiffany and the children um, are out of town. They're at the beach. I was with them earlier. It's, uh, we're celebrating Eva's birthday, and what she wanted was to swim with a dolphin. And so that's what we did. It was awesome. So um, if you're on Facebook, I'm sure there'll be plenty of pictures in the coming days of that. So really, really excited to be here. Really glad that you're here this morning. Um, we're continuing our series called Stinkin' Thinkin'. And uh, I hope that you've gotten the first couple of messages. If not, all of our messages uh, are on CD in the foyer. Uh, they're also available on our sermon podcast as well as on our website where you can um, see the, both the, the video and the audio. Um, just real quick, I want to, uh, because this is kind of really the third part of uh, this, this whole main concept. And so I want to go over really quickly a couple of the things that we've been talking about so far. Um, the first week, we talked about the fact that you've been given a thought machine, right? Your brain. Um, and it's a wonderful gift. We learned that thoughts precede actions, that not everything you think is from you. And that thoughts can lead to strongholds and intervals. This is where we, brick by brick, thought by thought, we kind of build ourselves into a corner and a way of thinking. Um, the next week we talked about mind control, uh, which is winning the thought war in your mind. Um, we, under, we learned that you make your spirit stronger, you make your flesh weaker, you take your thoughts captive, and then you can renew your mind, which actually means to renovate. Renovate your mind with God's thoughts. This week... Uh, is called Imagine That. Imagine That. And I'm so exciting, excited about this because I, I believe that this is a missing tool that the, that the church has not been utilizing. Um, we have an amazing God gift that is our imagination. And we can leverage our imagination for spiritual growth. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, let's, let's play along. Close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes. Now, I want you to imagine, I'm going to ask you to imagine a couple different things, okay? Imagine a Coke can. Isn't that weird? There's not a Coke can, but yet you can see it right now, can't you? You can see it in your mind's eye. There it is. All right. Imagine the beach. You can feel the sand in your toes, the birds chirping, waves. So there it is. You're not at the beach right now, but there it is in your mind's eye. You can see the beach. I looked up who the most famous person in the world was, and they said it was probably Barack Obama. Imagine Barack Obama. Maybe he's got a coat and tie on. There he is. He's not here, but you can see him in your mind's eye. Some of you aren't comfortable because this isn't religious. Imagine Jesus. Imagine Jesus for a moment. Come on, look at him. Notice his face. What does his hair look like? What's he wearing? What's the background? Where is he right now? See, here's what's cool. You guys are all imagining Jesus, and every single one is going to look slightly different from the other. All right, picture for a moment, keep your eyes closed, picture for a moment a dog playing. Some of you have big dogs, some of you have small dogs, some of them the dog's inside, some of them the dog's outside. It's your imagination that's determining this. There are no dog, 
There's no dogs in here, but yet you can see it right now. And just for fun, I want you to picture Barack Obama and Jesus at the beach drinking a Coke, and there's a dog playing with them. <laughs> so, something that's never happened, but yet it's live in your mind. Okay, you can open your eyes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? See, we've had our imagination with us our entire lives. You have an internal movie screen that's playing moving images that you can just conjure up just with a word or a thought, something happening. And you can make something happen that's never happened before, like Barack Obama and Jesus playing with a dog on the beach and drinking Coke. That's amazing. And since it's a gift from God, you should be utilizing it for the kingdom. And I want to prove that to you in Scripture. Now, our imagination, we've got like this kind of weirdness about it. A couple reasons. First of all, uh, many of us, the idea of like like uh, visualizing things and 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 it, it seems kind of weird and like eastern and like the third eye and chakras and stuff like that and, and and so a lot of times i think christians are kind of like well we don't really get into that new agey stuff look god created your imagination it's god's he's given it to you for you to steward okay and, and, and so let's not be afraid of God's gift to us, which is our, our mind's eye, our, our ability to, to think of things um, in our mind in order to use our imagination. The other reason it's kind of weird for us is our imagination, usually as children, we're taught that it's not important. We, we heard parents say things, ah, it's, it's just your imagination. Or, or, or oh, that's their imaginary friend, as in not real, Right? Um, or you have an overactive imagination. Like, let's just let's bring that thing back into subjection a little bit. And, and so we, we've been told, you know, don't, don't, don't overly imagine. Don't, don't, don't employ this tool, this gift too much. I, I fear that we have a generation growing up that they, they, they depend on screens for their entertainment so much that they haven't flexed their imagination muscle and, and they don't have a screen available. The power goes out. They're like, what do I do? You do what everyone on the earth has done for the last thousands of years before the last 50 years. You use your imagination. You play. You talk. You read, right? And, and so... Um, this is, this is something I feel we are missing when it comes to our connection with God. You know what I found? In worship, there are usually two types of people. There are people who are looking at the screen, trying to say the words at the right time, trying to match the melody, and they're just singing because it's what we're doing. And there are those who, without even realizing it, are using their imagination, picturing Jesus and singing to someone. The ones that are singing to someone are fully engaged in worship. And they're like, oh my gosh, worship was so good this morning. The ones who aren't utilizing their imaginations are like, cool song. What's the difference? What's going on in here? What's going on in your internal movie theater? You can leverage your imagination for the kingdom. Now, this is not a new idea. Uh, all over, especially in the sports world, you hear of people leveraging their imagination. Um, there's a guy named Nathan Sharansky that was a computer specialist. He spent nine years in prison in the USSR. 
and after, after being accused of spying for the U.S., while in solitary confinement, he played himself in mental chess the whole time he was in jail. He said, I might as well use the opportunity to become a world champion. In 1996, Sharansky became the world champion in chess. He didn't even have a chess board. What did he use? His imagination. He saw himself making the moves, and he'd flip it, and he'd play his other move. You, you hear of all sorts of athletes, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Michael Phelps, Muhammad Ali. They've all used mental exercises. They've all used guided imagery or mental rehearsal as, as a way to become good at their sport. Um, as a musician, before I would go out and, and you know, play a music set, I would often go through the songs, not on my instrument, but in my mind. And, and, and check this out. There's an article called Seeing is Believing, the Power of Visualization from Psychology Today. It says, brain studies now reveal that thoughts produce the same mental instructions as actions. Mental imagery impacts many cognitive processes in the brain. Motor control, attention, perception, planning, and memory. So the brain is getting trained for actual performance during visualization using your imagination. It's been found that mental practices can enhance motivation, increase confidence and self-efficacy, that's self-belief, how you feel you're going to do, improve motor performance, and prime your brain for success and increase states of flow, all relevant to achieving your best life. Isn't that interesting? See, God has given you a tool in your imagination that I believe is underutilized that can help you. And in all the different ways that you interact with him, that you interact with each other, that you interact with a hobby or something that you can do, whether it be a sport or a musical instrument or something like that. What would it look like if we began to utilize our imaginations for the kingdom? I want to I tell you three things this morning uh, really quickly about your imagination um, that come from Scripture. And we're going to look at this because I know some of you are like, show me some Scripture, preacher boy. Okay, I will. Here's the first one. The enemy will attack your imagination. The enemy will attack. Now, you already know this because he already has. We're going to look at it in Scripture. But, but the enemy will attack your imagination. He did this with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. You may not have realized that this was something that happened in Jesus' mind. Let's read. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. He's in the wilderness. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, The devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. Now, hold on a second. Okay. Scripture said he was in the wilderness. But that the devil took him. Is it possible that perhaps maybe Jesus and Satan, you know, walked to the temple and then climbed to the highest point? It's, it's possible. It's not very probable. Let's keep reading. He said, jump off. For the scriptures say, hey, Satan knows scripture. 
He will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you don't even hurt your foot on the stone. Verse 7, Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Okay, that mountain doesn't exist. There's, there's not a mountain tall enough like, like to see all of, all of the groups, Right? I mean, you can see for a long ways, miles and miles and miles. And it would have taken longer than the 40 days that Scripture said that he was in the wilderness to hike up the mountain with Satan. Or maybe they jumped in a car. I don't know what kind of car Satan drives. Maybe a DeVille. <laughs> um, sorry. That was bad. <laughs> Satan drives a caddy. Um, this is, Satan's attacking his imagination. Don't you see that? He's in the wilderness, but he's taking him to these places, and he's tempting him. And, and we'll finish it. It says, uh, took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Y'all need to learn how to say that. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. There's a whole lot I could preach on that whole passage, but I want, to want, well, I want to let you know that the devil was attacking Jesus in his mind. And he's going to do the same to you. We learned last week that the mind is the battleground where the spirit and the flesh duke it out, right? And, and so we, we need to see that the enemy is going to attack your imagination. But if the enemy has access to your imagination, so does God. God, and this is the second point I want you to know, God can speak through your imagination. God can speak through your imagination. As a matter of fact, I believe, after we look at some of these scriptures here, uh, you're going to realize that God has been, many of you who don't believe that God's been speaking to you, God, why don't you speak to me? He has been the whole time, you just didn't recognize it. Because he's been using your mind's eye, your imagination, your thought life. Acts 2, 16 through 18, Holy Spirit gets poured out on, on the people. They're acting a little crazy, so crazy that people say, they're drunk. You don't say that people are acting drunk if they're not, not acting crazy. So Peter goes, no, they're not drunk. No, they're not drunk. He goes, let me explain what's happening. He says, this is what was predicted by the prophet Joel long ago, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. He keeps going. Uh, But the, the point I want you to get is that he's saying in the new covenant, after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, there are going to be several things that are available to the believers. Um, prophecy, the ability to speak on God's behalf, dreaming dreams, and visions. Now, be careful here. He's not assigning these things to a specific person. Like, well, only young men have visions and only old men dream dreams. and only He's not saying that. He's saying, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this. And he's covering all the different people groups and ages and genders and saying that this is going to be available to everyone. This is not a restrictive Bible verse, okay? Young men will, will see visions. Now, that's interesting. The word for visions throughout the New Testament is harama. It means they will see a seeing. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? They will see a seeing. Uh, and it's used for all sorts of seeing, whether someone's awake, whether someone's asleep, whether it's daytime or whether it's nighttime. 
There are a couple of times when Paul has a vision. It's at night, but he's not sleeping. It's not a dream. Now, the angel came to Joseph about his wife Mary in a dream. Scripture specifically says that. And there are words in Greek for dream. But this is talking about a vision. This is something totally different. Usually when we hear the word vision in Scripture, we think of like this trance, right, where you don't see anything else and there's this literal thing unfolding in front of your mind, right? How many of you, that's kind of been what you thought when you saw a vision? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's the problem. There are trances in Scripture. Uh, Peter has one when the sheet is let down and all the animals are there and he says, hey, take and kill and eat. And he goes, hey, I, I don't do that. That's a trance. It's called a trance. It's a different Greek word. He doesn't see what's around him. He's totally caught up in a vision. Paul had these. Again, I, let me give you some references on your own. Peter's trance is Acts 10.10. 10. Paul's is Acts 22.17. Just a couple of them. So those are actual, like, what you might call an open vision or something, where you're, like, literally seeing something. But way more common than that is this word for vision that we see in the New Testament that I believe is simply the word for your imagination. It's simply the word of, of, of moving pictures in your mind. And God is giving these to you as a means of communication, and you can hear him. John 5.19. Some of you don't believe me yet. You're going to believe me after this one. Jesus is our pattern in life, right? Okay. Well, then check this out. John 5.19. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. He didn't say hears. He only do what I hear the Father say. He didn't say that. He says, I only do what I see the Father do. What if, I believe this is correct as I just showed you in Scripture, what if all the crazy miracles Jesus is doing, sometimes he's spitting in people's eyes, sometimes he's laying on hands, sometimes he's speaking, he's, he's, sometimes he's just picking people up? What if he's simply following the Father's instructions in his imagination that he sees? And what if, child of God, you have the same opportunity? For me, when I have my most dramatic times of ministry where the Lord uses me in, in powerful ways, it's been when I follow what I see in my mind's eye. A couple weeks ago, we had like nine people healed like that in their backs. Um, I actually, when I called that word of knowledge out, I saw in my imagination a like a it looked like a uh, an MRI of a body, and the the top connecting to the head all the way down of the spine was blue. You were okay. Well, he's crazy. Maybe so, but God healed a bunch of people through it. God healed a bunch of people through it. I believe God is speaking through our imagination. Many times I'll get instructions of ministry. Many times I'll, I'll feel like, okay, hey, Lord, what do you have going on? And I'll feel an impression like we should pray for X, Y, and Z. I don't see anything. Other times I see something. I was at a women's conference not long ago, um, last year. And I knew the Lord wanted to move in a mighty powerful way. I just the power of God was available. And I was like, okay, Lord, how do we do this? And I saw myself in my imagination... I saw myself, and I usually lay hands on people and pray for them, but I saw myself going and blowing. And I was like, really? (laughs) 
So I grab my breath mints. <laughs> I keep them handy now in case the Lord ever says, oh, I want you to blow on that person. Okay, that's not weird. Y'all, the ministry was unbelievable. It was quite possibly one of the most dramatic times where people were encountering God. It was, it was incredible. I was like, this ain't me. It was wild. Why? Because I followed what my imagination through the Lord was saying. Guys, I believe this is a secret for ministry. I, I believe this is something that is being underutilized in the body of Christ. It's, your, it's, it's, your part, of, it's part of your thought life. And we've got this movie playing in our background the whole time, and we're just letting it play. We're not being intentional with it. Which leads me to my third thing I want you to know about your imagination, is that you are to govern and use your imagination. You are to govern and use your imagination. Now, we're pretty, we, we understand the idea of governing our imagination, we understand the idea of governing and, and taking thoughts captive. Let's look at, we've, we've looked at this verse pretty much every week at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm reading in the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 through 5, it says this, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. They're not of the flesh, they're of the spirit, for pulling down strongholds, pulling down, casting down arguments. Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, verse 6, it says, Casting down imaginations. Isn't that interesting? Imaginations, just what we're talking about. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are called to govern our thoughts, our words, and our imagination. You are not helpless. Now, I know there are people here that can hear my voice right now that have trouble sleeping at night because of terrible imaginations. And, and, and let me say, it's super, super important that you guard your gates, which are your eyes, your ears, you, that, you, that you take care, you make sure. Because here's the thing about the brain. The brain, uh, whenever it sees something, it files it away. Whether it's fake or whether it's real, whether it's a TV show or something you see in real life, it's still filed away parallel with each other. The brain makes no differentiation when it's filing these images away. And then it uses these images. Now, you notice when we were playing around, I was saying a Coke can. If you'd never seen a Coke can, you couldn't have pulled up that image. I, I picked Barack Obama because all of y'all had seen a picture of him before. I picked the beach because you'd at least seen a picture of the beach, even if you hadn't been there. Your brain can only conjure up an image that it's seen, that you, the eyes have seen. So, doesn't it make sense to guard what your eyes see? So we've got to be super careful. It makes sense to govern. It makes sense to govern our imagination. Take these thoughts captive. I've been thinking about that, that concept of, of pulling down strongholds. And it's, it's got like a downward motion, right? Taking thoughts captive and, and putting them under subjection. I kind of like a, a different motion better. I, I was thinking about the idea of skipping line. Have you ever, well, I'm going to ask that. How many of you ever had someone skip line in front of you? And you're just like, okay, well, I guess you're going now, right? <laughs> it makes me so mad. It makes me, it makes me really, really mad. Um, it's just so, you know, it's just so rude. But, but this is what we're called to do. If, if pulling down thoughts, pulling down imaginations, here's what you can do. You can actually skip line with good thoughts and good imaginations. Just, just cut. 
Just cut in line. Send them to the front. If you're having a bad thought, a bad imagination, okay? Maybe you're, you're, you're trying to get to sleep or whatever, and, and, and these things, these images, and these things are happening, okay? Then you can intentionally not just govern your imagination, but use your imagination and, and have it cut in front of you, in front of that negative imagination. Does that make sense? We need to treat God's thoughts like VIP, you ever let someone, you ever seen like, uh, like at, a, at an amusement park, you know, uh, they'll let someone in, like, you know, take the chain away and go ahead, go first. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> they're, like, they're like VIP or something. They get to go first. That's how we do God's thoughts, God's imaginations. You can utilize your imagination for the kingdom. You reprioritize God's thoughts. You give them the VIP treatment, and they get to skip in line to the front. That's what taking your thoughts captive really is. Matthew 5, 28, it says, if you, look with, if you look with lust against someone you're not married to, it's sin in your heart. Sin in your heart. You committed adultery in your heart is what Jesus says. Now, there's not enough room to commit adultery in your heart. It's talking about your mind. It's not literal, right? You know this. So what's happening is, is you're, you're allowing your imaginations to act out something that you know is not God's best for you. And that's why it's sin. See, you can sin in your imagination, and therefore you can also be holy in your imagination. It depends on whether or not you are intentionally using your imagination for the kingdom. What if, what if before you went to bed every night, you began to imagine God's goodness in your life? You begin to actively let those imaginations and thoughts skip to the front of the line, reprioritize, don't let the fear and the junk and all that. But what if you had the opportunity before you went to bed every morning and you just saw yourself praying for the sick? What if you saw yourself, what if you saw yourself ministering to a coworker that's a hard case? What if you saw you and your child finally getting along, you and your spouse finally getting along? What if you woke up in the morning and this was the first thing that you did? You utilized your imagination. I think it would change a whole lot. I think that you can utilize your God-given imagination for personal growth and kingdom advancement. I think you're supposed to be daydreaming with God, y'all. And I think this is a God gift, your imagination, that we're all called to utilize. And so my... Before I ask you my question, I want to give you homework. Now, I know not all of you are going to do this, but I encourage you. I challenge you. I challenge you to investigate this. Here's your homework. Get quiet. Get alone. Turn off all distractions and engage your imagination. Visualize Jesus. Walk up to Jesus this week and say, what do you think of me? I challenge you to do that. You might want to have a pen and paper handy. You can write it down. I think we can live, leverage, I think we can do a better job of leveraging our imaginations for the kingdom. And my question for you is this Are you using your imagination for the kingdom? Or is your internal movie screen just going, doing whatever? Oh, well, this is who I am, I guess. No, you have authority. Take your authority and be intentional. Amen? Let's stand for prayer.
As always, I like for us to meditate on what the Lord has done. So close your eyes. Don't worry, I won't ask you to picture anything. You can if you want to. But I do want you to ask the Holy Spirit a couple questions. Ask him to say, Holy Spirit, am I using my imagination for your kingdom? Am I using my imagination for spiritual growth? Now, if you will, I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you commit your imagination to the Lord. And you let him be Lord over this part of your life. If you will, just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I pray that you would also save my imagination. The enemy attacks me here, but you can speak to me here. So I choose by your grace to govern my imagination and to actively use it intentionally for my spiritual growth and for kingdom advancement. I invite you, Lord, into my imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Eric, will you close us out?